all, this is BA in Science. I'm Maggie, that's Brenna. Hi. And we are so excited that you are here with us for our season two finale, second episode and all, to hear us talk about our badass human who also happened to be a scientist. And it's time to talk about Marie Curie's science today specifically, which is gonna be awesome. Mm -hmm. I got to research radiation, which was really, some, I mean, it's not like you don't know about radiation, but I don't know if I knew everything about radiation. So it's going to be, I've got some interesting stuff. Yeah, I have some interesting chemistry stuff and actually found some fun websites that I'll talk about at the end that Ooh. will keep me entertained. So oh, yeah, that's good. So let's do some weekly business so then we can get right to it. As always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at BA and Science. You can also email us at science at gmail.com if you have ideas for a show or addendums or you want to shout out or you have a guess for who our person, our badass of the week is. Um, wherever you listen, please remember to rate and review or favorite or like or subscribe or whatever it is so that other people can find the podcast. Okay, I think that's all my business. Um, our next episode is going to be March 1st or 2nd, whatever that Wednesday is. So look for us again in March. We'll send out a teaser, but we already know what we're doing for next season. And it's going to be amazing. So that's the only thing I had to say. Do you have any addendums today, Brenna? No, I don't actually. Yeah, there was nobody that we had to guess because we all know we're doing Marie Part Deux. So, yeah, I think we're just ready to talk about our science. All right, then let's take a quick break and we will get right to it. All right, so let's hit this science with everything we've got. I think there's a lot to cover and I'm so glad that I'm not the one that has to go first. So, Brenna, um, talk, tell us what we've got going on with this science. What are you going to cover? I know you have a quote, so I mean, probably you're going to start there, right? Yeah. So the quote I'm going to read is actually from the proceedings of the Academy of Sciences um, from July 1898. And it's something that Marie and Pierre wrote, wrote to send into the proceedings. And so it's just a small chunk of it, but it reads, the various reasons we have just enumerated lead us to believe that the new radioactive substance contains a new element to which we propose to give the name of radium. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so if you listen to the first part of our story about Marie Curie, we talked about radium and we you've heard some of these words, but we never really got into it. We just had to say, well, they did this stuff and it was important and they did get awards and whatever. Um, so we're going to get into that today. You won't be surprised to hear that there's no way we could comprehensively cover everything she and her team did. Yeah. So I'm going to start with covering just the discovery of the two elements for which she won the Nobel Prize, the, chem the Nobel Prize in chemistry. Um, she won for the discovery of these two elements. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to get into all of that first. Okay, let's do it. Okay. So we've talked about the discovery of elements before, I think most notably and recently with um, Carl Scheele, because he did a bunch of stuff and found a lot of compounds or helped pave the way for other mm -hmm. elements to be discovered. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to Marie's elements, we're in a little bit of a different world, which I won't get into that because you're going to talk about that whole radioactivity thing. Yes, I am. Um, but before we get into that and before we get into 
all those implications, we're going to go back to some very basic chemistry. Oh, right? yay. Basic. I'm good at basic chemistry. I mean, yeah. basic like so, pumpkin lattes and like infinity scarves or not that kind of basic? Not that kind of basic. Okay. Like more like sodium hydroxide. Oh, basic. basic. Okay. That's, that's pretty basic. Basic. Chemistry joke for you. Puns for days. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So when we talk about an element, I, you know, we, we have talked about discovery of elements, but we've never really broken it down. We're saying it's a pure substance made up of atoms that are all the same. Like if you have a pure gold bar, all the gazillions of atoms making up that bar are gold atoms, right? Like, yes. and they have a specific makeup. Okay. Yes. So the reason we have different elements that have different properties and do different things and look differently and everything like that has to do with their atomic makeup. Okay. And the development of atomic theory is something for another day because well, there's lots of BAs on our list that are involved in the development of atomic theory. We've but talked about today, this episode, like last week that we're, cause we mentioned like Rutherford. Rutherford. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll yeah. get there. But suffice to say that today we understand that an atom is made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. Well, also there are subatomic particles, but we're not, not, not we are today. not there going there. Just, okay? just today. We're going to, not, <laughs> not today. Today. <laughs> There are protons, neutrons, and electrons, okay? Yes. So all the elements in the periodic table have a number. Like if you've ever looked at a periodic table, you know, hydrogen is one, helium is two, blah, 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 mm -hmm. okay? So that's the atomic number. And it represents the number of both the electrons and protons in the atom, okay? Yes, protons they have are to be positively balanced charged. for it to be in its basic state. Right. Okay. Right. It's its neutral state, right? Yeah. You can have ionic forms of sodium. Oh, we're going to talk about loses, that when, Yeah. Yeah. So it loses an electron. So you can't have, like, it's very common in chemistry to have compounds lose electrons. It's not really as common for the, it to lose protons, which I know you'll get to, but yes, normally a normal neutral element, mm -hmm. okay, is going to have the same number of electrons and protons. Okay. Okay. So the protons are positively charged particles and the electrons are negatively charged. Mm -hmm. Protons and neutrons make up what's known as the atom's nucleus. So neutrons don't have a charge. Okay. Okay. And then the electrons are distributed outside the nucleus in orbitals. And that's like, oh, we're not talking physics. about that. We don't have time for yeah. that either. No. So um, all elements also have an atomic mass and the atomic mass is the sum of the number of protons and neutrons in the atom. Because they don't and necessarily so, have to be the same, right? The number of protons and neutrons? Oh, right. yeah, no. They Those, don't have yeah. to be the same. Yeah. And when you have different neutron counts, but the same number of protons, that's how you get isotopes. Yes. We're going to talk. I'm so, going to talk a little bit about okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So you can, you can have, it's common to have different numbers of electrons. It's common to have various numbers of neutrons for the same element. It's the protons where things go crazy, I think. So I, that is exactly what I am going to talk about. Perfect. Yeah. Cause I'm not getting into that. Okay. So different elements have different numbers of all these things and that's what makes them different. Okay. So how do we discover these things? That's how we get into, you know, Marie's work and all these other people that have done these experiments. Okay. Okay. So let's start with Marie's discoveries, Marie and Pierre, really. Um, let's start by talking about something called pitch blend. And I got to actually talk a little bit about uranium. Okay. Okay. So pitch blend is another name for uraninite. 
which is a mineral of uranium oxides. So like UO2, like uranium oxide to UO3, like there's different okay. oxides. And pitch blend, I'm just going to call it pitch blend because I feel like that's easier to see. Yes. Or it's easier to say. Pitch blend is the primary ore of uranium. So if you want uranium, you're probably sourcing it from pitch blend. Okay. Um, and if you feel like you've heard of uranium before, you 100% have. Your uranium is like what everyone thinks of when you hear like radioactive material. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much the primary source of nuclear energy, yes. like in your nuclear reactors. Are you picturing Homer Simpson at his control panel at the power plant? I, yes. Well, I actually am going to mention him as well oh. because oh. all of those uranium rods that glow green, no. Yeah, but right. I'm like envisioning, isn't there like one of the credits where like a rod of uranium like gets stuck on his back or something or- Oh yeah, and know. like and it bounces out and down the sewer and, and yeah. people are touching it and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. that is not, it, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also it's kind of important with like, you know, atomic bombs and all sorts of things. So you've heard of uranium and have encountered it or whatever. Um, so pitch blend actually contains other radioactive elements that can be traced back to uranium decay. But at this time, like when Marie is doing her research, nobody knew that. Okay. People mm-hmm. knew like, oh, we can get uranium out of pitch blend. Okay. okay. Uranium was first discovered in 1789 by a guy named Martin Heinrich Klaproth, and he found it in pitch blend. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and this ore was very abundant. I, I don't, it maybe still is. I'm not really sure. I didn't look into like today, where do you find it or where do we get uranium? But um, it was very abundant in Bohemia, like hmm. the, among others, but Bohemia kind of like the border between what we would call Czech Republic today and like Germany. Okay. So this guy, this Klaproth guy, probably German. I mean, yep. he sounds German. So he pro- probably would have had easy access to it. Okay. So uranium ores can also be found other places. There are places in the U.S. Um, I don't think it's actually pitch blend in the U.S., but it's another uranium ore that um, we'll kind of get to later. But you can get it in like Arizona, Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico area and stuff too. Okay. Um, Okay. So how do we end up with Marie discovering two new elements and why are we talking about pitch blend? Okay. Well, The bottom line is, and I know you'll probably talk a little bit about this because it has to do with Becquerel, but she wants to check out these, let's just call them mysterious uranium rays that are coming off of um, these elements. And she found that thorium, which is another element, also gives off the same rays as uranium. Mm -hmm. So then she discovers or proposes that the ability to radiate has to come from the interior of an atom, not the arrangement of atoms in a molecule. So it's not like um, there's something specific about how the atoms arrange in space. It's something unique about the atoms themselves, right? Yes. Okay. So this is what she kind of is like, well, this is, this makes more sense because if two different elements can give the same kind of, you know, mysterious rays, which we'll talk about those, but if they can both give that same thing, well, what, what is that? And well, it can't have, it can't have anything to do with the arrangement necessarily because of two different ad or there are two different molecules that I'm looking at or whatever. Okay. Right. So she wants to study uh, um, natural ores that contain uranium. And since pitch blend is super easy to get, that's what she investigates. And she actually investigates pitch blend waste. So it would have been pitch blend. I, th- I think for the most part, maybe initially she had normal, like not processed pitch blend, but I think when she got into trying to isolate the new elements, 
she actually got the um, pitch blend waste, which would have already had all the uranium removed out of it. Oh, that probably made um, it a lot easier to figure out what else was in it. Well, oh, I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> why did she decide that there are these new elements to even look for? She discovered that pitch blend was more active, I guess, in terms of rate, its radioactivity um, or radiation. I don't know which word to use here. Maggie's going to help us use the terms properly. But I will, but I think what you want to say here is radioactivity. Radioactivity, yeah, okay. Um, uh, so it was more active than it should have been mm -hmm. based on how much uranium was present in a sample. Like uranium should emit X amount of you know, raise, and we're getting much more than that, but that doesn't make sense. Cause if it's just uranium, well, you know, how is this possible? So, uh -huh. so Marie hypothesizes that a new more active element must also be present in the ore. Um, and she thought, well, maybe in a very small amount, um, but there's gotta be something else that, in there. Okay. And she checked her, she, so she checked this a bunch of times. Cause initially she thought she just had errors in the experiment. Like she was like, I must be measuring something wrong. Like this isn't adding up. This doesn't make sense. So I'm doing something wrong. But after checking it and checking it and checking it, she's like, no, like this is the same result I'm getting. There's got to be something else here. Okay. Okay. But now she has to actually try to isolate the material and prove it's a new element. Ugh. And this is where Pierre um, helped her. I think he actually put some of his research on hold for it even wow. um, because he wanted to help you know, figure this out with her. And See, I that's read the scientist love language right there. Yeah. And I read some, I don't remember where it was now, but I read something where it was like, you know, it doesn't even matter whether it was Marie who did it or Pierre who did it or how they did it together or which one of them did what it's like, they work together. They always wrote it as we discovered, we have done this. Like they were a team. They were happy to take the credit for both of them. I feel like we just give Marie more, more credit because um, she didn't get hit by a bus. <laughs> she didn't get hit by a wagon. Yeah, I shouldn't <laughs> laugh, but yes, that. Um, so maybe that's why. But um, anyway. Well, technically it was her doctoral thesis that this yeah. came out of. Yeah. So that's, I think, why we tend to give her more credit. And I, I mean, he was dead by the time she got the Nobel Prize in chemistry. And right. I, you know what? I didn't actually check. Did he get named on it uh, anyway or was it just her? no it was just her and her assistant I think it was just her and her assistant yeah, yeah. because she yeah. was like so, considered so even though wrong, he yeah. helped her a ton and I think she even said that probably somewhere in her speech it was you know it gets credited to her because well she didn't get hit by a wagon anyway yes so so they were thinking like maybe this new element made up like at max one percent of pitch blend but they were thinking like maybe ballpark one percent mm-hmm it turns out, spoiler alert, it's actually like a millionth part of the ore. Millionth part millionth. of the ore. But, so it we'll was, talk but it was so, it was adding significantly to the radiation, radiation. or radioactivity. Radioactivity. Yeah. Well, Whichever one. I don't well, know. The radiation is the output. We'll get there. Okay. But so All it was right. adding significantly to the output but it was right. the tiniest amount. So interesting. Yeah. But they didn't know that it was going to be a millionth part of the ore when they started this. Like they thought it was one, I don't know, 1%. Okay. So they separate all the elements in pitch blend. I, I did not go down the rabbit hole because I, 
I just didn't have, to, I didn't have time, but I don't know exactly how they did it, but they used chemical analyses available at the time to basically separate everything out in pitch blend. And they measured the radioactivity of each of those chemical fractions or segments obtained. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they basically narrowed in on certain parts of the ore that had like that for a better lack of a better term, abnormal radioactivity they were looking for. Okay. Okay. So then they found that there were uh, this activity was isolated in two different chemical fractions of the pitch blend that they had separated. So by July, 1898, they actually discovered, uh, or they announced the discovery of one of the substances with abnormal activity. And in the proceedings of the Academy from July, 1898, they wrote, we believe the substance we have extracted from pitch blend contains a metal not yet observed related to bismuth by its analytical properties. If the existence of this new metal is confirmed, we propose to call it polonium from the name of the original country of one of us. Aw, so, that's cute. It is cute. So polonium is, um, its atomic number is 84. It has 84 protons, 84 electrons. Um, I think, is it polonium 209 or polonium 210? I think, I think I have this somewhere later. We'll talk a little bit more about polonium, but polonium is right next to bismuth on the periodic table. Mm-hmm. So when they say it's related to bismuth, we'll talk a little bit more about that. So okay. what's funny is when I hear polonium, though, I always think of polonius from Hamlet, never Poland. Yeah, I don't think of Poland either. In fact, when I learned that it was named polonium because Poland, I was like, what? I can't be right. Yeah, yeah. I just because I mean, it sounds so much closer to Polonius than it does. Well, yeah, because you have to say Poland in its Latin word. Its Latin name is Polonia. Yeah. So, but nobody ever calls it that. Yeah. Anyway. But I mean, you know, people naming elements do. So, you know, because I mean, there's all kinds of, a lot of, a lot of the chemical elements. We talked about tungsten, white's W, but I mean, a lot of the elements, their chemical symbol is based on like, why is lead PB? It has to do with the Latin word, right? Like, I mean- so it's not that surprising, but still, you know, these scientists, I don't know. I know. The polonium in pitch blend is on the level of parts per billion. Oh, that's, that's parts per tiny. billion is tiny. PPB is a really, 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 really tiny amount. Okay. So they found with this one source and I actually didn't realize that they had found polonium before radium. I thought they found radium and then polonium, but anyway. I thought that too um, interesting. Yeah. So then, okay, they've got this other chemical fraction that have this abnormal activity and they're trying to figure this out. And so by December, 1898, in the proceedings of the session of the Academy of Science, um, as I read at the beginning uh, about the various reasons we have just enumerated, blah, blah. And they proposed um, to call their new element radium. Um, And then it went on to read the new radioactive substance certainly contains a very strong proportion of barium in spite of that its radioactivity is considerable. The radioactivity of radium therefore must be enormous. It is. It is. It is. And I think that you'll tell us all about it, which I can't wait because I really didn't go into any of that because I tried to just stick to more of the chemistry yeah the The, base i mean radioactivity is i mean it is chemistry it's 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 physical chemistry like radioactivity and radiation is the thing that gets you from chemistry to physics yeah it's yeah it's It's a weird weird. yeah kind of like organic Um, chemistry gets you from biology to chemistry it's kind of like that it's a stretch you're such a snob i am it's true it's okay i embrace it 
Um, so I read though that they extracted one milligram, mm-hmm. one milligram. Okay. Remember like Marie wanted like a whole gram and she finally scraped together enough to have like close to a gram of her own before she wanted like more from, you know, the States, but mm-hmm. one milligram of radium from 10 tons of pitch blend. Uh, just for your knowledge, a ton is a thousand, like a metric ton is a thousand kilograms. So one milligram in 10,000 kilograms of pitch blend that they dealt with. Um, that's unbelievably small. That's insane. That's insane. Right. I don't think I've ever cared about anything enough ever. Right. But in the kind of work she had to, like, I, I just like, that's why, that's why she, that's why people remember her name and no one will remember mine unless they listen to this podcast in a hundred right. years. But like, right. I, I mean, wow. Right. I certainly wouldn't care. Like, no. I mean, I used to make, I used to start with like 30 grams of compound, like a crude compound and I would have to purify it. And like, I was mad that I would start with 30 grams and I would only get seven grams back out, but at least I had seven grams, which in organic chemistry and the research I was doing, seven grams is like, tons still to work with so a milligram from ten thousand kilograms of pitch blend waste i I can't even i just that's crazy so how they actually identified i didn't i didn't read this about polonium but how they actually identified this as a new element was by looking at its atomic line spectrum Mm -hmm. which is super cool can i detour into atomic line spectra for just a minute it's a really cool thing yeah all elements are identifiable, like by looking at their atomic line spectra spectrum, because they, um, they have different spectra or like each element will have its in its own unique spectrum oh, okay. because energy is quantized when we're talking about, um, chemical elements being like excited. Like if you hit an element with light, you can excite, um, a photon. And when oh you, gosh, excite ta- a pho- I'm going to talk about photons. I'm okay, cool. Photons. But when you excite them and they, and then they come back down or you can just electrons say electrons too. Um, you get, a you get some kind of energy and that energy relates to a wavelength. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an element, like if you just look at like white light through a prism, you see all the colors, right? Yes. But elements, our energy is quantized. So it's like, if you got on an elevator on floor one, you can go to floor two, but you can't go to like some weird in between. Well, unless it's broken, but the elevator is not going to stop somewhere in between one and two. It's going to go straight from one to two. And yeah. that's where you can get off again. And then you can get off at three, right? So you can only get off the elevator at very specific places, not just anywhere you want along the elevator shaft, right? Correct. It's basically the same thing here. Okay. So I can only go, the, the energy can only be these certain levels and those energy levels correspond to a wavelength, which then is a color, right? A wavelength is just going to be like different colors. Yes. That's so, why when I, that's why when we teach basic chemistry, when we're teaching high school chemistry, when we have the quantum mechanical theory of atomic structure, it's the same chapter as the discussion of lambda and wavelength because frequency right. and wavelength and all of that is related to energy levels. Right. That's, so when, when my students ask me, I don't understand how this goes together. I can tell you in five chapters for now, just trust me, but this is why right. guys. Yeah. So anyway, so if they were trying to determine like, if this is a new element, well, it's going to have a different line spectrum. Mm-hmm. 
um, from other things that it would be like, like they might've been like, oh, this kind of seems like it might be bismuth. Well, if they compared it, you know what I mean? Anyway, mm-hmm. it's really, I think it's just really cool. No, that's very Atomic cool. Line Spectra are really fun. Um, we actually do this as a lab in two like lower level classes or first, like first sequence or first course in a sequence classes. Mm-hmm. And it's always a lot of fun because it's colorful and, you know, it's the it's, best it's of cool. chemistry. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Um, and it's also why like different elements you'll have, like, you know, in fireworks, you'd get different colors because the different yeah. chemicals used anyway, cool stuff. But anyway, that is how they, I guess, determine that, yes, this is indeed something different from what we've been seeing before radium we might have mentioned this maybe not but radium kind of glows like a faint blue color and I'm sure Maggie's gonna tell us why I am so initially I don't think they had pure radium I think it was like a radium chloride because I read that it wasn't until 1911 when Marie Curie and her assistant I don't remember his name I didn't write down sorry to whoever that dude was they isolated the metal itself from radium chloride well yeah they had to do that in response to Kelvin being like this isn't um, an element Oh yeah. She yeah. was like, yes, huh? And proved it. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. But anyway, regardless in 18, what, 1898, it's two new elements in the span of like six months That's and insane. tedious amounts of work in isolating these minuscule amounts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Radium has an atomic number of 88. Um, that's its um, number on the periodic table. Uranium is 92. Mm-hmm. And radium actually occurs as a result of uranium decay. I don't really know why we are losing protons. And I'm hoping that you're going to talk about it because I feel like they shouldn't just lose protons. So I will talk about it. Uranium is very careless. It feels like it is because polonium also results from uranium decay. Mm-hmm. Lots, because of, lots of things that have radioactivity emit radiation because of uranium. We're going to talk yeah. about all of that. Because like uranium-238 decays to radon-222, which then decays to polonium-210. Right. It skips right through radium because radium also decays to radon. We're going to, we'll get there. I can't, yeah, I can't own it. Okay. So that's where they got polonium and radium that, or that's how they got it and isolated um, the two elements. But I actually just want to talk a little bit more about each of them. Um, just as a chemical element and things not necessarily related to its radioactivity, but just um, the element. Well, yes, they're just, they're elements and you're a chemist. Yeah. So they're things you know, to be able to know. And okay. I'll just tell you now, because um, it's just such a cool website. If you go to, uh, we'll put this in our um, sources, of course, but um, if you go to the Royal Society of Chemistry, so rsc.org, if you do forward slash periodic dash table, um, they have like an interactive periodic table. You can click on the elements. It tells you like the history of it, the discovery, Ooh. its uses. And there's a, another tab up there that's like podcasts. And there's like these little seven or eight minute podcasts on all the different elements. And it's so cool, you guys. So, okay. I if, wish I would have known about that before I yeah. did mine because if, geez. if you are missing us between whenever you're listening to this and when we come back for season three, just go listen to a bunch of pod seven minute podcasts about the elements. It's yes. so cool. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about polonium. I mentioned that you'd find parts per billion levels of natural polonium in uranium. So because it's really rare, it's actually made, they actually manufacture it or like if you're going to make it mm-hmm. or obtain it, you make bismuth, which you can, I think also find in pitch blend apparently. Apparently. 
So bismuth 209 is found, and then they change it to bismuth 210. And how they add a neutron to me, I don't know. I, I think it involves a nuclear reactor and it cannot yeah. be easy. It cannot be easy to add a neutron to things. So no. bismuth 210 decays to form polonium 210 because somehow when it decays, you end up with an additional proton in the nucleus. I, I don't understand how, I don't. Yeah, it's a special, it's a special chemistry. kind I'm of, not gonna lie. it's a special kind of radioactive decay. It's actually not the kind we're going to talk about, but it is a kind of radioactive decay. I am not a nuclear physicist. I really don't know. Like I'm losing protons. I'm gaining proton. I just, I can't even, I don't even know. So anyway, because it involves a nuclear reactor and probably really crazy things happening. Suffice to say, we're not like sitting around with metric tons of polonium. Okay. Correct. Um, we don't, we don't like have like tons and tons of stockpile of it because it's just, it's hard to obtain from pitch blend naturally. Mm -hmm. And even making it is not like the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, I read that polonium really isn't as dangerous um, because it's alpha particles can't pass through your skin. Oh, we're going to talk about just exactly what that means. Okay. Um, so, but I did read like most of the time, if you have radiation poisoning from polonium, it's like because you ingested it or inhaled it because tobacco products actually have a small amount of polonium in them. So if you're a smoker, maybe you're radioactive. It's yeah. I mean, it's a very small amount, but I also read that polonium can get picked up from the air like from radon 222 decomposing, then there's polonium and then um, lichens can pick that up somehow. Mm -hmm. They absorb that. Mm -hmm. And then in Northern parts of the world where people eat reindeer, they might have higher polonium levels because the reindeer eat the lichens. That is the coolest thing we've that's ever learned about. Fact? That's the coolest thing we've ever learned about an element on this show. I know, right? that like so cool. radioactive lichens ingested by reindeer cause higher levels of polonium so we all know why rudolph was actually glowing don't we yes i was oh my gosh i was just gonna say that i was just gonna say that obviously rudolph the red-nosed reindeer was eating too many lichens radioactive reindeer that's... so that's horrifying it gives a whole new like <laughs> Now I know why, like, everyone was like, I don't want to play reindeer games with this guy. No, I don't either. No, uh-uh. Nope. Oh my gosh. I like now, because it's, it is, it's Christmas time when we're recording this. I'm only ever going to be able to think about radioactive reindeer when I hear yeah. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph the Radioactive Reindeer. Yeah. Had a very shiny I nose because he ate too much lichen. <laughs> Full of polonium. Full of polonium. Oh my gosh. Okay. <sighs> so... On a more serious note, um, back in 2006, a former Russian agent, Alexander Lit Litvinenko, died from radiation poisoning, and it was discovered it was polonium poisoning. Um, very specific. Which, yeah, well, I mean, which is kind of, I think it was surprising that it was polonium, because again, it's not like we have access to tons of polonium like it's not no. that there's just like a bunch of polonium hanging out i mean even today radium we don't have a ton of radium mm. so i mean the fact that you know and it gets listed if you look up his wikipedia page it gets listed as radiation poisoning parentheses murder so because polonium is pretty inconspicuous someone could have just slipped something in his tea or whatever and that would have been you know how he would have gotten it ingested into his system or whatever so polonium not, I mean, it's not stuff you want to mess around with. I read too, um, I think Irene had a, an accident with polonium in the lab, like something exploded 
and she died from leukemia. She had TB, but I think she actually died from leukemia. And I think they believe it again is from her interactions with like the polonium and the radium and stuff. I will tell you why. Ooh, okay, good. One other interesting fact about polonium, uh, it was used as one of the two elements to trigger the atomic bomb, which I had no idea. I didn't know that. So polonium or beryllium were mixed together like the last second, like that's what like set the explosion off. So it was really, really important. Like nobody really cared about polonium until the Manhattan Project came along. It was like, yeah, we're going to need a little bit of that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's actually one of the things I didn't talk very much about because there's so if you want to know about the Manhattan Project, go look up the Manhattan Project. And at some point you and I might cover that with the scientists that were on. I mean, so I didn't go into it yeah, a lot. There's I mentioned some, it. some really interesting scientists that are BAs. And I think even a, a listener suggested one of the um, people involved because she, she's an interesting lady. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't get too much into the atomic bomb either, but I didn't know that polonium beryllium were the things that were mixed together to like trigger the the big one yeah wow that's and i don't know why because they were talking about things giving off alpha rays and then it was absorbing things and i don't even know why um but apparently when you mix those two things together that'll you know kaboom yeah so that's what i have on polonium so i want to talk a little bit more about radium and i wanted to talk about kind of how radium was obtained because we mentioned that marie got a whole gram from the united states and because you remember that reporter did some, you know, crowdfunding essentially. Right. So this America is very had plenty at the time. Yeah. So in the United States, there was a company called the Standard Chemical Company, and they were out of Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, which is, uh, I think, south of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So the founders had a sister with cancer and they went to Europe to try to get radium for her because it was used as a cancer treatment too yes. at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still use radiation treatment for cancer today. Yes. Um, because there wasn't a lot available in Europe, because I think Marie was pretty much like, you know, the only person with it. Yes. She was. Right. Because remember, she had to like hide it from the Germans and everything like that. Right. They set up their own company to make their own radium in America. So wow. they started with like one refining mill and like 11 acres, but they ended up being the first successful large scale commercial producing producer of radium in the world. But again, getting radium wasn't easy. So this is what I read in one of my sources about how they would, how they got the radium in the States they were producing. Bunch of dudes would start by digging Colorado to get the ore from the mines, okay? Then Burroughs transferred the ore to a mechanical concentrator and the ore was concentrated and then repackaged, taken by horse-drawn wagon to another place in Colorado to be loaded onto a train that would take it to yet another place in Colorado. And then it traveled 2,500 miles to Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Wow. So that's how we get it there. Then there's a bunch of treatment on the concentrated ore. Mm -hmm. And you basically filter it into a few hundred pounds. Then that was shipped under guard to the labs in Pittsburgh. So the standard chemical companies labs were in Pittsburgh, their refinery or whatever you want to call it was mm-hmm. then Cannonsburg. Okay. Then from all of that, a few radium crystals from the original 500 tons of, um, they were using car, uh, carnotite, just a different ore, mm-hmm. um, was obtained. So 
Wow. In the 1920s, a gram of this would cost $100,000 or more, which today I looked up like with inflation and everything would be the equivalent of $1.4 million. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Which I read was actually a higher value than the weight-based cost of the Hope Diamond. Whoa. Isn't that nuts? That's, that's insane. These are just so, so fun. These are fun facts. These are the kinds of facts you just whip out at your Christmas holiday parties and tell people. Yes. Um, so all in all, it basically took 500 tons of ore, 500 tons of chemicals, a thousand tons of coal, 10,000 tons of purified and distilled water and labor equal to about 350 men working for a month to make one gram. And that insane. Uh, just how, how did she get, a, how did she get almost a gram? I, I it's mean, a it's a miracle. It's a great question. Yeah. It, was it sorcery? Cause this is beyond mm-hmm. science. I mean, I know what I don't know, because I didn't look into this, you know, that she was using pitch blend, which is uraninite. Um, it sounds like in Colorado, they weren't using pitch blend. They were using uh, carnitite, which is just, again, it's a different mineral. So I don't know if maybe the amount of radium in there is less than what's in, or I'm sorry, not uranium, radium is less than what's in pitch blend. I don't really know. I did not get too it's, much well, into it's it. It's completely but. minuscule either way. Right. Yeah. And pretty much the process for purification of radium never really changed since its inception, like this ridiculously complex purification system and all the things they had to do to get it out, isolate it out. Um, But nobody's really been making radium since the 1960s. So the half-life of radium-226, which is the most common isotope, Mm -hmm. is 1600 years. So we don't really need to make more. No. Because there's probably only... I think I read it's like only a few pounds total of radium ever have been produced, mm-hmm. but half-life. So half-lives, are you talking about half-lives? Mm, not really. So okay. go ahead. So a half-life just means like how long it takes to decay, like to half of its original amount. So if it takes 1600 years, like we're going to have it for a while. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what, it hasn't even been barely a hundred year. Well, I mean, 1911 was when she actually isolated the element itself, but it's barely been more than a hundred years since, you know, we started really ramping up the production of it. So it's not like it's going anywhere, you know? Yeah. We have, we really do have plenty. We have plenty because I don't, don't feel really, like we really need it for a lot of things. We don't really um, need it for hardly anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I know you're going to talk about the radium girls, but what's even crazier to me is this, all the things I read radium was used for when it was first discovered. Like, oh my gosh, it was, it was used for every. They put it in makeup and lipsticks because I guess like glowing lips would be like, hey, my lips are glowing. Oh my gosh. It was a thing. They put it, they put it in tablets. Oh, they put it in hair cream. They put it in everything. They put it in water. Okay, yes. So this is my favorite story about it. There was a patented drink Mm -hmm. named, and I love this name so much, I can't even tell you. I'm going to call it Radithor because it's radium or radiation. Radithor. It is Radithor. Okay. Which was distilled water containing traces of radium and mesothorium, which is also a radioactive element Mm -hmm. or a radioactive compound. So Radithor was like this cure-all or billed as this cure-all for fatigue and joint pain and muscle aches <laughs> because it I, destroys your joints. And mu- I, I don't know. Be, be, because it's like, it's It'll like Harry you. Potter when what's his name does that spell to cure oh, yeah, Harry's just, arm yeah. and he just ends up with no bones. Yeah. That's, 
that's what this is. Oh my gosh. So there was a national amateur golf champion named Urban Byers and he hurt his arm and the doctor <laughs> prescribed Radithor. Um, so he, this is not funny, but he drank a bunch of it. Like he drank like several cans or whatever of it for five years, every day for like five years. And he died at age 51 because, um, you shouldn't be drinking that. It, I, I just cannot. Okay. But to be fair, doctors also used to have a preferred brand of cigarettes. So, and also probably prescribed Coca-Cola and, and Coke like, and stuff. Yes, so. and you, oh, yeah. you're, you're tired? Have some cocaine. And I feel like <laughs> I, I mean, feel like a few years from now, like 50 years from now, people are going to say they actually prescribed chemotherapy. Can you believe it? So I feel like, I mean, you know, but still. Doctors don't, doctors aren't always getting everything right. Let's just say that, you know? And, and we should trust them to a point. To a point. Mm-hmm. But if your doctor tells you to drink Radithor, no, run. hard no. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't make that any, I mean, none of this stuff that it used to be, obviously we're not putting it in those things anymore, thankfully. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so just such a crazy history for radium. And that's just without even understanding anything about its actual radioactivity and all that. So that's what I've got. Maggie, what do you think? Did I, did I explain enough about our elements here for you to teach us everything we need to know about radioactivity? Yeah, absolutely. Because right. they're like the only gap now that I need to fill in is the one that I spent all the time researching on, which is Perfect. what this whole like radiation radioactivity. Yeah. Is, yeah. Cause it's a, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. So break time. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Okay. Rena. We need to take a minute to tell everybody about Proton Guru and the MCAT ladder. Yeah, we definitely do. It's really great. The whole idea of Proton Guru is academic accessibility. So at protonguru.com, you can find a free full organic chemistry course, a free MCAT organic course, and diversity modules related to organic chemistry. The cool new thing that just got added might be the best part though. It's called MCAT ladder, and it's an MCAT test prep course like no other. It's prepared by a group of passionate faculty who really wanted to keep costs low. The big thing about the program though, is how thorough it is with exceptional concept explanations and visual learning plus questions that are challenging like real MCAT questions. The MCAT ladder is only $500. And if that's not enough, they have a scholarship program too. So go on over to protonguru.com and check out all the amazing stuff that's there. With MCAT Ladder, it's all about reaching down to help others climb up, which is a very badass thing to do. So I would like to start off with the fact that this topic is gigantic and I am not a nuclear physicist. So I just wanna Mm -hmm. put that out there. So let me give you a brief overview of Marie's area of physics, which namely is radiation and radioactivity. Let's start there. Okay. When she came on the scene, it was a fairly new branch of science. So we need to talk about a German guy named William Rontgen. Rontgen. I don't know how you say it. It's very difficult to say. It's probably like, isn't it supposed to probably be like an umlaut? I'm going to call him Bill. 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 German Bill. German Bill. German Bill was working at a lab at the University of Würzburg 
And he was in the process of conducting various experiments and applying currents to vacuum tubes. He was using a Crookes tube, which chemists out there are very familiar with. If you're not, don't worry about it. It is not. It Part does of not it, matter. Yep. But he covered this one tube in a screen to block light because he was trying to see if he could isolate it. It doesn't matter. But what he ended up noticing was that in spite of the fact he had covered this one tube, something was penetrating through that covering to react with a barium solution that he had placed hmm. on a nearby screen. And he was like, okay. what? what what is this this isn't supposed to happen so he kept doing it and it kept happening he was like well i mean if it's passing through this paper is it going to pass through everything well no he eventually showed that these rays he was calling them rays quote unquote rays they could pass through lots of things but they would leave bone and metal visible they couldn't pass through bone or metal okay so he figures out how to use it on photographic paper to take a picture. He wants it to react with photographic paper. So okay. he tested them on his wife's hand. Like he said, hey, sweetie, stick your hand in this general area. And she was like, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. She says, okay. So she puts her hand in there and, and it's a very famous picture of this, this hand where you can see every single bone, all the detail, and she's wearing a gigantic ring. It's the oh. first x-ray. Everyone has seen this picture when x-rays are referenced. It is the first x-ray picture. I didn't know it was his wife. It was his wife. And when she, she, he showed it to her, he's like, honey, look, she was like, I have literally seen my death. This is, I don't <laughs> like this at all. So that was her, her direct quote was, I have seen my death. So she I was just going to say, my husband is a scientist as well. I think I've mentioned that. Mm -hmm. But if he came up to his like, hey, honey, stick your hand in this thing. Let's see what happens. I'd be like, no, no. no. I love you and I love science, but no, no, mm -mm. no, so <laughs> freaked her out. Yeah, but it was really good for science and thus x-rays. That is the that is a very brief and condensed history of X-rays. He called these X because okay. X X and algebra is what we don't know. So he's like ray. I don't know X-rays, some kind of ray. It's an X-ray, and that's just the thing that oh. stuck. It has nothing more fancy than that. Okay, and but no one knew where they came from. So despite the fact that people could produce them, everybody once he showed them how he did it, everybody could do it. You can make as much. You can make X-rays, but everyone was like, "How is it doing that?" No idea, but it does it. So that's kind of where x-rays started. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about Henri Becquerel. Mm -hmm. He hits the scene and wants to know, okay, cool. You can make them, but why, why is that happening? What, what about this? What about this is making x-rays? Where are they coming from? Mm -hmm. So he was doing some work on minerals that would glow or fluoresce when exposed to sunlight. You leave them out in the sun, then you take them out of the sun and they glow. Okay. We know today that's photoluminescence, but we're not talking about that part because okay. he would use photographic plates and then capture the fluorescence on film so you could see it. Okay. okay. Now, one of the early minerals Becquerel worked with was uranium. Oh, hmm. he hmm. discovered that uranium salts 
were giving off similar rays naturally. So he accidentally left these salts in a drawer closed up on the photographic plate, like waiting for a sunny day, but it wasn't the day he was going to do it. He was writing. It was like, oh crap, I just put it in the drawer. And then he took it out the next day and he was like, who turned the sun on in this drawer? I did not put sunshine on this. Why is this doing a thing? I left this in the dark. This is not, was not supposed to happen. Because mm-hmm. he initially thought that the rays were given off by phosphores- phosphorescent uranium salts after being left oh. in the sun. But, and remember the word phosphorescence, because I'm going to come back to that. So put a pin in it. But mm-hmm. so he did this experiment and he was like, nope, this is not getting something from the sun to do the thing that it's doing. So he realized that it was the material itself that was giving off radiation. Okay. So he continued demonstrating that the uranium was the source of the radiation. He could very easily prove it, but his discoveries were largely unnoticed by the public because they were like, neat, but also x-rays, you could see your bones. And people were like, (laughs) out about it. It was, well, because remember, this is the time when like, supernatural and gothic and yeah you know it's it's that time so people were just interested in yeah the spookiness of you know these are my bones so (laughs) they're everybody's blasting everybody with x-rays it was this whole big thing (laughs) it should not be done with just like it should not be done willy-nilly okay Like instead of in modern times when everyone would like play with the copying machine and like, you know, copy their butts, people just like x-ray my head, x-ray my head. Like, so it's not, anyway, it's not something that you should do, but they were doing. Okay. We do not recommend x-ray for fun. The official position of BA in science is that you should not just x-ray as much of your body as much as possible as you can. It's just not, it's not a good idea. Not a good idea. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why shortly. Okay. Okay. So nobody cared about Henri's uranium rays yeah. Yeah. though. And everyone yeah. was like, eh, this isn't nearly as neat as my bones. So <laughs> Henri had a doctoral student who was looking for a thesis. And this student decided to make the whole topic of where Becquerel's rays came from her thesis. That student was, of course, Marie Curie. And Brenna then told us what she did. So that was how Marie got into all of the stuff that Brenna talked about. And that's kind of where radiation and radioactivity was at the time when she showed up. Mm -hmm. So let's get into radioactivity, radiation, all of that. Cause that's what we've been teasing this whole time. Cause yeah. they're not the same thing. You can't use those words interchangeably. Okay. So yeah, I would like to know properly because you know, I probably, because I don't, I don't know if I've always been using them correctly. I will now, probably but I, not. I don't know. I didn't know till I researched this. So, so Brynn, you gave us a quick primer on atoms. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that we need to focus on with regard to atoms and radioactivity is that protons and neutrons are in the nucleus and electrons are not. Mm -hmm. You also should know that the farther away an electron is from the nucleus, the easier it is for the electron to leave that atom and go somewhere else. Yes, that is true. Okay. You also should know that on a good day, radium has 88 protons and 138 Mm -hmm. neutrons. Okay. So a lot more neutrons than protons in the nucleus. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So I alluded to this before. Some elements, radium included, do not keep good track of their particles. Sometimes they lose some. Mm -hmm. In the case of radium, sometimes two protons and two neutrons decide to peace out. Hmm. Why do they decide this? Because, well, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Here's, here's what they do though. The protons and the neutrons like all hold hands and they make up this thing called an alpha particle. Uh-huh. And then this happy little family gets divorced from the larger family and goes mm-hmm. out on its own. Okay. And the family that's left just isn't the same. In fact, it's not even radium anymore because a radium mm-hmm. atom, as Brenna said, all mm-hmm. of the atoms of a certain kind make up an element. And if you don't have mm-hmm. the right number of protons, you can't be that element anymore. Right. So radium has to have 88, but now it only has 86 because two of them left and took two neutrons with it. Mm. It has become radon. Mm-hmm. Radium decays in this case to radon because that's, okay. the, that's the thing with 86 protons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The energy that's released when that alpha particle family leaves is radiation. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Something is radioactive when you have instability, we'll say instability. Okay. Here's the thing. When there is a huge disparity between the number of protons and the number of neutrons in a nucleus, Mm -hmm. because remember, atoms don't like to be unstable. We know this. Mm -hmm. They're always trying to be stable. Well, Mm -hmm. a big difference between protons and neutrons Hmm. is going to make, is going to, it's, it's uncomfortable. So it's like, maybe if I get rid of some of the stuff in here, (laughs) I'll be more comfortable. And that's why so, so like the alpha part, like the alpha particle, like some of the protons and some of the neutrons are like, fine, fine. We'll just go. We'll just go then. <laughs> and so they go. Now it doesn't make radium more stable. It just turns it to radon and then mm-hmm. radon is still unstable. So it continues to decay. It's always searching to be very stable. Okay. And so that's the whole process. So what does radon decay to? I know radon, this is sad. I did a report in my freshman year of college that helped me become a chemistry major on radon and i couldn't tell you why radon is bad for you but it is i can we'll get there okay good so something is radioactive when an unstable atom huge disparity in the number of protons and neutrons emits energy or particles to achieve the more stable condition okay I mean, side note, it's not very good at becoming more stable, obviously, because it's not like, like radon continues to decay. So it doesn't mm-hmm. work, but it, that's what it's trying to do. Okay. So the summary is that radioactivity is the breaking up of an atom's nucleus. Radiation is the particle produced by the breakup. Okay. So when you've got a breakup in the mm-hmm. atom's nucleus, that's radioactivity. Okay. Radiation is the particle produced by the breakup. Okay. Okay. Radiation is the thing that you can be poisoned from by yeah, radioactivity or... isn't gonna hurt you. The result of radioactivity will hurt you. Gotcha. Okay. While radioactive decay is what happens in a nucleus, radiation can come from a lot of different processes. Radiation is not unique to radioactivity. Okay. For example, all of the light that you see is radiation. True. The ultraviolet rays from the sun are radiation. That's True. light that you can't see. Radio waves, microwaves, even the heat from a fire, all forms of radiation. Mm-hmm. There are different types of radiation, obviously. 
all of the ones I just mentioned are non-ionizing radiation. Okay. Ionizing radiation is radiation that removes electrons from orbitals, and that's mm -hmm. the kind that we're concerned with. Okay. So electrons, I'm going to say it this way. This is, it's more complicated than this, but I'm saying it this way. Electrons orbit the nucleus of an atom. It's not actually an orbit. They're in orbitals, but they're just out there around the nucleus. Okay. Yeah. So when an atom gets hit with energy and loses an electron, it becomes an ion. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when radium shoots off that alpha particle and it hits something else, it can mm -hmm. cause an electron to break off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So radium's radiation is in the form of alpha particles, right? Okay. I told you that before. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's actually great because alpha decay is the least dangerous form of radiation. Yay. Oh. Alpha particles have lots of energy, but mm -hmm. they're very heavy, relatively speaking. So they use up their energy over a short distance and don't go too far from the atom. In fact, you can mm -hmm. block alpha rays with a piece of paper. Oh. So like if you were a supervillain, you would be like, if you were like Dr. Doofenshmirtz, he would use an alpha ray, an alpha particle ray gun because it would be completely ineffective and it would probably have its own self-destruct button because that's kind of his jam. Okay. Oh, okay. It's, you don't want to use it for a weapon. It's not good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Additionally, the alpha particle I've been talking about, Brenna, I'm sure you mm -hmm. recognize this. It's the nucleus of a helium atom because it has two protons mm -hmm. and two neutrons, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, helium is inert, so it's non-reactive. Correct. So it's to be super safe, right? No worries about working with radium every day, all day for decades with no personal protective equipment to speak of, right? No, no, not even close. Most people and anyone who has listened to any part of this podcast this week or last week is peripherally aware that Marie died from health problems caused by exposure to radiation. Okay, but I and just- Peter told... would have too, had he not been hit by a wagon. Uh, oh, he for sure would have died from radiation issues had he not, you know, been just the worst. Yeah. But I just told you that alpha particles can easily be blocked. So how did it make her sick? Well, Brenda mentioned it for a second. So let me kind of expand on some of this. Okay. Okay. Alpha particles don't move far, but they move fast. Okay. Think literally of a bullet. Mm -hmm. And this bullet doesn't go far, but it's really good at puncturing soft tissue, like the soft tissues that line the lungs and the stomach. Mm -hmm. Alpha particles lack the ability to penetrate even the top layer of skin. Mm -hmm. So still we should be fine, right? I mean, that's not soft tissue out there. Well, still no. Here's why. Radium particles can get become airborne and get into okay. our lungs. Once they get into your lungs, they still are going to undergo radioactive decay and start shooting off alpha particles. But okay. this time they're shooting off alpha particles in our lungs, hmm. which is soft tissue. Mm -hmm. So now you've got a bunch of helium bullets causing hmm. ionization in your lungs, in the molecules, in your cells, in your lungs. That feels like a bad thing. Oh, it's not great because yeah. the ionizations that they cause can release all of their energy in a few cells. Mm -hmm. The result is more severe damage to cells and DNA. In mm. 
Now, you also maybe could have a cut on your finger and some alpha particle shooting element gets in that way because lots mm. of things give off alpha particles. Radium's not the only one. It's mm -hmm. the big one. Mm -hmm. um, but the same result. If it gets into your bloodstream, same thing, okay? Now, what happens to our bodies when cells and DNA get damaged? Bad things. Oh, Very so, bad things, guys. So many bad things. When radiation collides with molecules in living cells, it causes a mutation. Mm -hmm. If the DNA of a nucleus or a cell is damaged, like mutating, it becomes mm -hmm. cancerous. Mm -hmm. In fact, inside the body, this is super important. Alpha radiation is the most dangerous form of radiation mm -hmm. because it is very easily absorbed by cells. It's not going that far. Mm -hmm. You know, gamma radiation, the stuff that makes you the Hulk, it doesn't, it actually kills you almost instantly, but gamma radiation that just shoots right through your body. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's staying in the cells. It's irradiating mm -hmm. you, but it's mm -hmm. not getting absorbed into your cells. Something different is mm -hmm. happening there, which we're not going to talk about because it's not germane to Marie's stuff, but. But then is this why, because I mean, I did read that people would get radium treatments for cancers, but is it because it doesn't move far that you can target just like tumor growths? I'm going to talk about that. Okay, Good sorry. question. Put a pin okay. in that question. Cause I'm, okay. I'm, I'm just about to talk about that. Okay, okay. Cool. 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 Would Marie have been okay if she never ingested the radium particles? We know that her, like, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, Verna, but to this day, if you want to touch anything that Marie Curie ever worked with, you got yeah. to, you got to check it out. You got to put your name down. You got to sign a waiver. You got to wear protective equipment. Mm -hmm. Her cookbook yeah. is radio is, has yeah. radiation coming off of it. It is radioactive. Like yeah. she was around so much of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was everywhere. What if mm -hmm. she had never inhaled or ingested any of that? Would she still be okay? That's the question. The answer is no, probably hmm. not. Here's why. Remember, radium decays into radon. Ooh, are we going to learn about radon now? We're going to learn a little bit about it. Okay, cool. How many of us have radon mitigation systems in our houses? I have one. I don't, but I don't think it's a problem where we live. It's not a problem where you live. Different areas of yeah. the earth have problems. Yeah. But where I live, we, we, our radon level was something like, you want like four or less. Ours was a seven. So mm. like, yeah. Not good. And, and we know that radon gas is bad because radon gas poisoning is one of the main causes of lung cancer. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, yes. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I read. I read it in two places. Yeah. I'm going to have, see, I'm going to have to go find my research paper from freshman year of college, which was 8,000 years ago. I was going to say the part of the problem is that if your paper was radium, it would be half gone by now. That's how long ago you did it. So I mean, yeah. Anyway, so, okay. so radon gas poisoning causes lung cancer. Okay. Because That's bad. the radon, so radon used to be radium, remember? Because mm -hmm. radium yep. is super unstable because there's an imbalance. Mm -hmm. Well, what radium stupidly does is shoot off two protons and two neutrons. Mm -hmm. Is that going to make the ratio any different of protons to neutrons? No. No. So is it any more stable? It doesn't feel like it. No, it's not. So mm -hmm. radon continues to decay. So mm -hmm. radon is, is, is happiest in its natural form as a gas. So you inhale it, it gets into your lungs and it goes, undergoes decay. It shoots off 
alpha particles and the whole helium bullet thing starts happening because of radon. So gas. radon is also radioactive. Yes. Got it. Nuclear scientists out there are freaking out. Yeah, I just, let's so hope that awful. no nuclear, let's hope that, you know, to, to be Marie's honest, granddaughter, nuclear, who's 90, what did I say? She's like 90 something. Let's hope she never listens to this because well, she's to be honest, be like, oh if, my gosh, these people. If a nuclear scientist has gotten this far into our podcast, mm-hmm. they're probably willing to give us some grace. Yeah. Let's be fair. But if you are a nuclear scientist or nuclear physicist listening, Police hit us up and, you know, correct all the things that we're not getting If there's something that, if there's a, if there's a dot that I'm not connecting, help me because this was very difficult to research because I have no, I don't even have basic knowledge to go on here. So anyway, radiation and everything went with it was super exciting at first, not just because people like playing around with x-rays, but because x-rays were saving people's lives. Within Mm -hmm. six months of the discovery of x-rays, they were being used on the battlefield to find bullets in soldiers' bodies. Mm -hmm. So instead of just lopping off somebody's leg, they could find (laughs) the bullet, et cetera. It was great. But like so very many new technologies, there are unintended consequences that go along with these great discoveries. Radiation quickly became important in lots of areas in medicine, and no one knew the rays could really be harmful because there's a very slow onset of symptoms. Like, it's like one of these, like, you're telling me that this ray that's kind of like light, but isn't, that can't be seen and can't be felt is harmful? Mm, okay. Like, just nobody, nobody knew, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, they were willing to put it in lipstick so they could have glowy lips. So, I mean. <laughs> I mean, many people thought exposure to radioactivity was actually beneficial. <laughs> like, they they didn't radithor right I mean I'm just saying like okay radium rays were used in the treatment of certain diseases including lupus and cancer and we still use radiation treatments today actually let me tell you what Pierre said about it then I've got a sidebar for you from someone that I know who had radiation treatment for her cancer so I want to I want to tell you some things that I found out from her so Pierre Curie mentioned in his Nobel Prize lecture that radiation exposure wasn't 100% awesome because like he and Marie had radiation burns all over the place. He mm-hmm. said, quote, if one leaves a small glass vial with several centigrams of radium salt in one's pocket for a few hours, one will feel absolutely nothing. But in 15 days afterwards, redness will appear on the epidermis skin and then a sore, which will be very difficult to heal. A more prolonged action could lead to paralysis and death. Oh, yeah. So he knew he and Marie were sick all the time from the radiation mm-hmm. that they were around. So he, he knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one, I don't remember which source, but there was one source that I read that said the following, much of the information collected on radiation damage was likely gained at great personal expense. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's, that made me uncomfortable. Ooh. That made me upset. <laughs> I just made the emoji where, you know, where like he's grimacing with the teeth and that, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that was the exact, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But on the bright side, there's this whole field of health physics and the people working in the field of health physics figure out how much radiation is safe, not very much, and how much isn't and all kinds of things. And we're a lot Mm -hmm. better at dealing with radiation now. And Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, like all of us know probably someone who has had radiation treatments Mm-hmm. for cancer because remember radiation damages the dna of cells mm-hmm. and damaging healthy cells is bad but 
damaging cancerous cells so that they can't reproduce is very good. Mm -hmm. So we have gotten very good at targeting radiation to deal with cancer. Mm -hmm. um, it's very effective as a treatment. And like, for the most part, it helps and doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. You will still have effects from it, mm -hmm. but they're not, they don't irradiate your whole body. For instance, mm -hmm. if you have, they especially use it for treating cancers in soft tissue. Like we're talking um, like breast cancer, super common. That's like mm -hmm. the big, the big one that everyone's going to kind of will have touched most people's lives. So they don't just irradiate your whole chest. Mm -hmm. They like, there is a certain area. They do this whole like measuring thing. They mm -hmm. put this like tracker in you so they can find the spot where it goes. It's this amazing process. Um, mm -hmm. Because again, a friend of mine, uh, I asked her about it because she just um, finished cancer treatments about, oh, I don't know, six months, six to eight months ago um, and went very well. The radiation was very helpful. All of her scans are continuing to be good. So it's a very good huh. thing. Is it alpha rays? Well, here's the thing. She had to have, I don't know what kind of rays they use because I don't know what kind of radiation Okay. I don't know. I, I wasn't, she wasn't sure because I don't know if that's something that most people ask. Like when they go in, for Probably, yeah. it's like, is my hair going to fall out? Not, are you using radium? So, yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying? So if you're a doctor and you're listening, let me know. Yes, please answer our questions. So many questions. Um, but she also has to have bone scans to make sure that the cancer mm. doesn't go into your bones. And I'm going to talk about why that's bad in just a minute, but, um, when she has her bone scan, she had to have IV, she had to have this radioactive IV juice pumped into her so that her bones would glow and show up on the scan. Mm -hmm. The stuff that was in it is called technetium. And it's, let me see, I looked it up and I want to share it with you. Its atomic number is 43. Mm -hmm. It's TC. Mm -hmm. It is the lightest element whose isotopes are all radioactive, I think is the right way to say it. Hmm. Um, it's very interesting. Almost all available is produced synthetically and it is almost exclusively used in medical diagnostics. Hmm. So yeah, so it's very fascinating. It was discovered in 1937. Um, really cool stuff about it. Listen to the little podcasts on Brenna's website yeah. about it because it's super Ooh, yeah, funny. and it will probably tell you all about using it for bone scans and whatever. The first one I'm going to start with now when I go back to listen. Yep. So, but they, she showed me, um, my, this friend of mine, she showed me her, um, paperwork, her dot, her orders that she had mm -hmm. to, you know, that got the doctor put in for when she was going to go get this treatment because she had to have the radiation and they give you a card that you can show if you have to go to the airport, if you go someplace and set off a radiation oh. sensor and they're just like, you got a bomb, you could be like, no, here's my card. They just pumped this juice in me so that I glow when I need the scan. So there's this whole special little paperwork that you have and whatever, mm -hmm. because you also have to, it, like when they put the radioactive tracker in you, it's an actual piece of radioactive stuff. The state that like they track that. Oh. It's supposed to come out on X day. It needs oh. to be disposed of in X way because mm -hmm. it's radioactive. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of a big deal. So she showed me this and, and right, right on there, she was like, I used, I don't know, X amount of X MCI, whatever that is. And I was like, is it millicuries? Because Curie, 
Mm -hmm. is the measure of radioactivity. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was how many millicure. And I was like, I know, I learned a thing. That might be the only thing I learned from this, but I was very excited. And I was like, I know all about that. So, so anyway, this is obviously still very relevant to mm -hmm. people today because yeah. radiation is really important in how we work, especially with cancers in medicine. Because again, radiation, super good at killing cells. You just got to make sure you're killing the bad ones. Okay, so it did take a long time to get to this point though. And it's, and to this day, highly regulated. Yeah. I've even got a quote from Marie about the whole issue of radium and medicine. Hmm. We must not forget that when radium was discovered, no one knew that it would prove useful in hospitals. The work was one of pure science. And this is a proof that scientific work must not be considered from the point of view of the direct usefulness of it. It must be done for itself, for the beauty of science. And then there is always a chance that a scientific discovery may become like the radium, a benefit for mankind. Which is a lovely way to think about it. And I'm not going to argue with Marie. Like, understanding radium and radiation have been more positive than, ne than negative, for sure. Mm -hmm. There are two less than awesome episodes in mm -hmm. per well particularly radium but radiation in general uh -huh. um in in those things history that i would like to mention because they're pretty famous so we all know that radium is depicted as glowing green like in the case of homer simpson as we talked about and yeah. that is because of the radium girls mm -hmm. so first question we need to answer does radium glow Radioactive decay can create photons. Brenna mentioned mm -hmm. photons. And there, it's usually gamma rays and radium does produce gamma rays, but it's only a small percentage. Like when things are doing their decay, it happens in percentages. Like 97% of radium's um, decay is alpha particles. A little bit okay. is gamma, okay? okay? So photons are light, but it's not any light that you can see. So technically radium does not glow. Okay. But radium shoots off enough alpha particles to mm -hmm. excite the nitrogen in the air around it. Ooh. So as the nitrogen tries to get back to a not excited state, this is where your wavelength thing is important. It gives off energy in the form of a bluish light. Hmm. So technically the air around radium glows blue. Radium itself does not. So is that true of any uh, radioactive element that we think of as like glowing? It has to do with how it's affecting actually the atoms around it, not itself. It can. There are some, like, because oh. there's one that glows, that looks like it glows red. Oh. Um, that actually is a reaction. I don't know. There was some very interesting stuff on reactions. That was kind of a huge rabbit hole that I didn't have time to go okay. down. Okay. But to answer your question, yes, sometimes, like, mm -hmm. like, but there are also other reasons, which is okay. actually the, the next part of this. Okay. okay? So where did, because where did the green portrayals come from? Why, do, why, why is that bar in the Homer Simpson opening credit, in the Simpsons opening credit, why is that green? Mm -hmm. Okay. In the early 1900s, right after Marie did her thing, Mm -hmm. A paint containing a mixture of radium and copper zinc sulfide was used to paint watch dials and such. The copper is what gives it a greenish glow. Okay. Remember that when copper, you know this, Brenna, but for anyone else, as copper reacts with oxygen, oxidizes, it turns green. Looking at you, Statue of Liberty. 
Okay, so this paint, this is, it's useful if your watch is glowing, if you're a soldier. Like let's say you're on patrol and you need to know what time it is because you have to change at a certain time or there is going to be someone coming to attack at a certain time. You need to know time is very important. To so it's like a glow in the dark watch before we have like, you know, not gonna kill you glow in the dark stuff. Right, well now nowadays we use photoluminescent mm. materials in the 60s. That's why they stopped using radium and stuff in the 60s because they were okay. like, it's probably a better way to do this. Turns out there was. <laughs> It's photoluminescence gotcha. um, because the other thing, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on. Okay. 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 Sorry. Okay. So there were women who worked in factories that used this paint for their special watches, these glowing mm -hmm. watches, mm -hmm. but the common technique for painting was to point the brush first. Do you know what pointing is? You lick mm -hmm. the brush. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice sharp point. Yep. So these women were ingesting vast quantities of radium. Yeah. insanely high quantities of radium yeah. radium acts chemically like calcium so oh. their bodies were like oh i oh i know what to do with this oh boy. the bones and it would send it all through their skeleton yeah once in the bones radium irradiates shoots off alpha particles the cells that produce red blood cells oh yeah yeah remember those helium bullets Okay, Not so good. now you're getting tumors in the bones and cancer in bone marrow. Yeah. Leukemia. Yeah. So like leukemia good. is blood, it's, it's blood, it's a blood disease cancer, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you're, leuke you're run of the mill leukemias, radiation. That's why radiation mm -hmm. causes leukemia, okay? Mm -hmm. So. Dentists no, were actually, do, well, no, if they probably don't use, do they not, then they wouldn't use radiation for leukemia. I don't know how they treat leukemia, probably chemotherapy. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, I know. I have doctors, so many questions. Doctors, hit us up. Oh, I know. This left me with more questions than answers, I think, but anyway. Yeah, for real. Okay, sorry. It's okay. Um, dentists were some of the first people to notice what was going on mm -hmm. because they were putting it in their mouth. That's where, so... Um, I am a makeup artist. So you know this from makeup artistry, wherever you put your brush first, that's where the heaviest deposit of color will be. So if they're dipping their thing in the paint and then they're pointing the brush, the heaviest deposit of that paint is going right in their mouth, right yeah. on their teeth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So dental pain, loose teeth, lesions and ulcers, uh, tooth extractions that wouldn't heal. Dentists are all seeing yeah. these issues. Yeah. Of these women later began to suffer from anemia, bone fractures. Mm -hmm and necrosis of the jaw, which is when your jaw Ooh. just dies. And it's Ooh. a condition now known as radium jaw. And yeah. seriously, like- Sounds so gross. It's horrifying. Like the, the, the warning on this is like, if you look up pictures, don't, you don't want to see it. Ooh, I have that like, you know, 4% of me that really wants to, because I'm just that curious, but also I'm really scared too, because it just to the 96% that is saying, maybe not tonight. Don't look then. at it. Is, is it really that bad? It's horrifying. Um, okay. they, I think there is a picture because how, how the girls knew that something was wrong was that they would be walking around in the dim light in their apartments and they're glowing. Yeah. yeah. And if they were glowing, they knew they were already dead. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and I think they have a picture of someone glowing in her coffin. Oh, oh, oh. no. Yes, it's horrifying, okay? Well, I've always wondered is like Marie buried in a lead enclosed casket because she had to be 
close to that too, right? I would I don't think, know. I don't know. That's some, that's something that I did not look up. I was more concerned. Like if with, all of her stuff is like under lock and key and you have to like sign all the paperwork I to get like to she's it. Probably also anyway. if she's not, she should be anyway. anyway. So I won't go into any more detail on that. Um, I, I will just say that it's a huge rabbit hole. It's a fascinating story. Um, and so the result though, is that these women became known as the radium girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but thanks to their sacrifice, accidental sacrifice, we don't put radium in stuff anymore, Yeah, which is for the best. Plus, this is something I was going to mention before, but I'll mention it now because the the radium is decaying it's getting less luminescent Hmm. so and eventually it will eat through whatever it's on so Mm -hmm. it's not great it's not great so yeah so yeah and one of the things that you can learn about when you learn about the radium girls is the fact that the company they worked for said there's no problem here and then so like workers comp kind of became a thing after this because clearly these women were injured on the job despite the fact that it was something was clearly going on and the company wasn't taking steps to say hey mm-hmm. stop putting this in your mouth you know so yeah. that's that's one of the things that came out of it it's a very interesting story and um anyway huge rabbit hole so, I, I just um I just actually looked up there's a there's a film apparently on the radium girls from 2018 I don't know if it's actually about the radium girls but it is it is oh. um, there's also a stage play oh which actually uh my husband is actually going to be auditioning for it they're doing it what? in our area soon yes well he told me that yeah. it was a show he knows he, he's, like, he's like I know this director and I was like you have to do this show so yeah, it's a play. It's, it's, it's there's also a book now that is going on my to read list. It's called The Radium Girls: The Dark Story of America's Shining Women. Yes, it's it like, is a fascinating. Um, there is an episode of My Favorite Murder. If for those of you who are into true crime podcasts, yeah. there is an episode of My Favorite Murder where Georgia Hardstark uh, tells this whole story. She tells it very well. That's how I knew mm-hmm. about it before I went into this. Um, so anyway, there's lots of podcasts. This is this is one of the most one of the more famous tales of the strange hmm. science that um, the average American may or may not have heard of. It's very yeah. interesting. Okay, so finally, because we need to get into her legacy, yeah. right? Yeah. Finally, I do need to mention that the development and the deployment of the first atomic bomb in World War II directly mm-hmm. led to a long-term, like the long-term study of the effects of radiation exposure. So the bomb drops, everyone who doesn't get killed immediately is exposed to radiation. Mm -hmm. So prolonged exposure to the radiation that was a result of the bomb is the likely cause of cancer, known Mm -hmm. likely cause of cancer in at least 1900 people. That's probably a pretty low estimate, but yeah. yeah. Which is one of the many reasons that nuclear war is something to be avoided, Mm -hmm. if at all possible. Again, cool new technology, unintended consequences so yeah yeah well is... I mean it wasn't Chernobyl that was a nuclear disaster too uh-huh. I mean it wasn't war but Chernobyl was really bad because it... it's still radioactive you can't go there you still yeah. can't go over there right now yeah I mean unless you want to die 
Didn't one of the more recent uh, diehards, didn't they end up like in Chernobyl doing something? I feel like Yes, they did. and they had a guy, oh, like, I, I don't know if I could watch it anymore because I'm pretty sure it was junk science, but- You know too yeah, much. I do think I know too yeah. much. But speaking of movies, we need mm-hmm. to take a break because that's mm-hmm. what I've got for radioactivity and radiation. And I hope it answered your questions. Yeah, I mean, again, I have 8,000 more. But, but now you know I have all these did. rabbit holes I can go down. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then let's take a break because we need to talk about Marie's legacy and you have yeah. a movie review for us. I do indeed. All right. Break time. Okay. Let's talk legacy. We have had now two very thorough episodes mm-hmm. on Marie Curie, her work, her life, all of the things I mean, she's obviously insanely famous. Almost everybody yeah. knows her name. They can probably tell you that what she did has something to do with theory activity. I mean, mm-hmm. there's hospitals, hotels, street, like stuff is named for her. Yeah. I, as I mentioned, Curie is the term for radioactivity. Curium yeah. is an element. Are you going to talk about Curium? Yeah. 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 All right. So I'll let you do that. But like she opened the field of radioactive science, basically. Yeah. She is, not only is she radioactive, she's radioactivity. Okay. Yeah. And oh, and also the Nobel prizes. I mean, so her legacy is immense. Yeah. So like, like, what do we, what do we say about it? So I have another quote because of course I do. This is from Marie. Life is not easy for any of us, but what of that? We must have perseverance and above all confidence in ourselves. We must believe that we are gifted for something and that this thing at whatever cost must be attained. Wow. And I just, you know, that really to me reflects kind of everything that you think about her in terms of her commitment to her science. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, well, of course we've talked a lot. we like, we love her. I love her snarky attitude and her inability to suffer fools and whatever, but the contribution she made to chemistry and physics just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, really her whole family. I mean, her yeah. husband, her daughter, well, one of her daughters, her, her son-in-law, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's so much of it. But I just, you know, I just think, of, especially when I researched how they got the radium and the polonium and how much of they got, just the thought of this woman pouring over tons and tons, li- literally tons uh-huh. of pitch blend waste, trying to get these new elements I just like how much that mat, how much it mattered to her, mm-hmm. like how much she believed that she was gifted for this thing and she was gonna do it. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, for me, that's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. We can't, like, what else do you say about it? But like you said, you know, the world recognizes her importance because she's everywhere. I mean, people have heard of her. So you mentioned a couple of these, but um, she was entombed in the Pantheon in Paris, which is like a big deal. That's a huge deal. It's a big deal. And she was the first woman to be given that honor on her own merits. Oh, nice. Not just so, she was married to some dude. Right. Yeah. Um, which that's when you were talking about her being radioactive. That's when I was thinking like when they exhumed her body, did they like put her in lead to transport her and then put her back in the, anyway, I have questions. Um, Yeah. And of course, the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1903, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1911, um, 
you know, she's had all kinds of, like the New York Academy of Sciences celebrated 100 years of her Nobel Prize in 2011. Wow. Um, she got a bunch of honorary degrees from around the world. She got honorary doctorates from several universities in Poland. In 1920, she became the first female member of the Royal Danish Academy of Sciences and Letters. Oh. Um, in 1924, she became an honorary member of the Polish Chemical Society. Some of those I'm listing because, as you mentioned, you know, the French scientists were afraid of her lady parts getting in the way of her science. Well, so, to be fair, lady parts make it hard to be sciencey. Apparently, yeah. Um, you mentioned an element is named after her. Um, the Curie is a unit of radioactivity. There are actually three different radioactive minerals that are also named after her slash the Curie. So there's oh. Curite, Sklodowskite, and Cooper Sklodowskite, oh. um, but those are all named after her. There's a nuclear reactor in Poland named Maria. Oh, that's so cool. Isn't cool? Um, and then the two, so she had the radium institutes, right? But now it's the Curie Institute in Paris. And in Warsaw, it's the Maria Sklodowska Curie National Research Institute of Oncology. Oh, um, oncology, cancer. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Um, she's been on Polish Slotty, which is their money. Mm-hmm. She was on the 50 franc note before they got rid of francs. Wow. Um, so just, I mean, the list goes on. If you go to Wikipedia and just like go to the end where it's like honors and awards, it's like 8,000 pages, 8,000 by number of the day, but it's just a, it's a ton of stuff that just gets listed out of like all the awards, the honors, the things that she was in, you know, oh yeah, number of whatever, all these achievements. Um, and I didn't write it down, but I did read like the amount of work, like the books and the papers and everything that came out of her radium research, like the Institute, the research group in like a shorter, short span of time. It's just, it's a stupid amount of number. It's a stupid number of papers and publications Mm -hmm. and just work. So it's, it's just impressive on so many levels. And I don't know, again, you know, I never really care that they're man or woman or black or white or whoever they are but when you acknowledge that she was a woman doing science and being a mom like we talked about at a time when like that's not something women did mm-hmm. it's just she's just BA you know I mean it's what BA. else are you gonna say she's just a BA you know yeah um so I gotta I gotta share my experience here from the other night I like to, you know, watch movies as part of my research. I talked about um, Hattie Lamar and I watched one of her films and then I tried a few minutes of Hypatia, right? Well, yeah. And then I tried watching that movie on Hypatia and it was terrible and, you know, it was, it was not good. I was not having good success, but there are a few movies about Marie Curie and one is called Madame Curie and it actually starred Greer Garson. She's a big name in Hollywood, in Hollywood in the forties, right? Yeah. and you can rent it on Amazon Prime, which I actually am going to do. I just haven't had time because when you rent it, you know, it's like a limited amount of time. You have to right. watch it. Yeah. So I haven't had time. I got, it's end of the semester. I have like 800 things to grade and whatever. But I did try the other night to watch um, the 2019 movie called Radioactive. And it stars Rosamund Pike. Um, Who's very famous it's just right now. On Amazon Prime, I don't have to rent it. Oh, no. um, and I like Rosamund Pike. Like yeah. I like her as an actress, whatever. She was a Bond girl. Guys, I cannot recommend this film. I Tell us why. Oh boy. Okay. So uh, disclaimer, this is a movie review of a movie I watched about 20 minutes of. I 
couldn't, it was like about the same as I got with Hypatia. I could oh, not keep watching it after 20 minutes because within the first 20 minutes, there were just too many things that just, okay. It starts out by her, like, just like, it's like a Hallmark movie. She just like bumps into this handsome man on the street. Oh my goodness. And then somehow she's like bumps into him again in the lab and, oh, you know, like the, no they were introduced because they were both serious scientists and it wasn't it's just well like documented this it is well documented how marie and pierre met because he had a clue about it he needed like he had yeah come on yeah so that annoyed me i mean don't get me wrong i do love a good hallmark movie with a true love smoochy kiss at the end but like this is not what i want out of my historically based film okay movie. no yeah unless in unless in the history there were smoochies at the end no right yeah so then and then there's like a weird flashback like well also too i think they're gonna get i don't know because i didn't finish it but it starts off with her like collapsing in the lab and then having to like rush her to the hospital and like she like now is like flashing back on her life which if she dies at the end that's that's not how it happened either so anyway whatever so then she has this weird flashback with her mom where she's like in that she doesn't want to go to the hospital with pierre and she has this flashback to being in like i guess the hospital or wherever with her mom remember her mom had tb right she's sitting on the bed like face to face with her mom and her mom's talking to her and at one point her mom's like give me a kiss a hundred percent her mother did not make her give her smoochy kisses because she had tb and she knew she had tb she very didn't want to kill her kids she very specifically well documented did did not not hug them because come on that was these are easy ones these are easy ones to not mess up and i'm like there's no like come on she had tb like she's not like it's it'd be one thing like if she had cancer right like you're not going to give your kid cancer by giving them a kiss but like you have TV. Oh, and then she goes to hug her. So then they're hugging and she's sitting there coughing. And I'm like, 100% no, no, immediately. No, she would never have coughed on her daughter. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, like the TikTok immediately. No, I've seen everything I need to see immediately. No. Um, <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So then we talked, um, or then, so then, hmm, okay. <laughs> so then she's like working on finding radium but she and Pierre are like not together, which is not correct because they were already married when she started working on this because that's the they reason were- that she, she was getting her doc. They were married and she yeah. didn't start working yeah. with radium until she was getting her doctorate yeah. after they were married. Yeah. And then here's, here was the, fun. <laughs> this was it for me. This scene happened and I was like, I can't, I'm out. It's a no for me dog. Um, she and Pierre who are not married are sitting down and you know the scene comes on and if you know like on Amazon Prime you can like do the button where you can see like the actors and what their character name is you know what I mean yeah so they're sitting there and it's her and Pierre not married still but she's like talking about oh I think there's a new element which again we're out of time never would have said that talking with this woman and this man and I'm sitting there going I have a feeling that this is supposed to be the Langevins. Sure enough, I flicked the thing and it's Paul and Joan, crazy, crazy Joan. And they're all having like a clubby little chat at dinner time about how Marie thinks there's radiant or there's a new element in pitch blend and, and Joan, crazy Joan's like, oh, but what about this? How would you like asking all these like questions? Joan was and I'm an like, idiot. 
Why? No. Uh, mm, no. Immediately. Just, uh, again, no. immediately no. I, immediately no. I just, I, I couldn't, uh, you know, had I not done any research for Marie Curie, I might've, like, because I didn't know like a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. I might've like been like, okay, I can appreciate this for the, but I, no, I couldn't. I just couldn't, you guys. No. Maybe one of y'all out there can get through it and are not like a stickler for facts, historical accuracy. Accuracy. Maybe you don't care if it's wildly historic. I mean, there are other movies that I can enjoy that are not very, like I can sit and watch the movie Troy, even though there are so many things wrong. I knew. I, I, I should have bet a thousand dollars because I would have won. I was like, I bet she's going to mention Troy. I'm a hundred percent sure that Troy is going right. to fly right out of her mouth. Like, I was so right. <laughs> like Troy is another, this is, has nothing to do with science. Troy is one of those films that like, wow, there are so many, I mean, I know that it's based on, but there's just so many things wrong about the way that that, oh, just so many things. I and know. It, I'm, and, it, and I feel that too. But again, I can put it aside for that movie. Yes, I can. Because, you know, um, oh gosh, Eric Bana does a fantastic job. And, yeah. you know, there's some really great scenes in there with, uh, it's Peter O'Toole. I mean, Peter O'Toole, you can't go wrong with Peter O'Toole, obviously. Right. And, and, but, and in spite of the fact that there's, it's wildly inaccurate, the beginning of the movie is actually like the whole thing with Helen and blah, blah. That's not, that's not inaccurate as much as we know. And as much as history is recorded, it's fine. It's all, it's all fine enough. Well, and, what, it, and it's based more on like mythology than it is like, like you said, like hard facts, like Achilles this is obviously- This person's life who she told her daughter and her daughter got, come on, this is, these, these are low hanging fruit here. These are easy things to right. get right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously like Achilles wasn't descended from a God, right? So like, I can put aside the fact that some of that doesn't jive with what I've read from, you know, ancient literature or whatever. Right. And I can accept the movie. This one, I just, right. The Iliad. Yes. I can't, I just couldn't, I couldn't. It was, oh man, it was bad. So I have higher hopes because the one called Madame Curie that starred Greer Garson so Eve wrote her biography mm-hmm. and then she did sell her rights to um, the studio, a studio to produce okay. the movie. So, which I, I don't that think the family knew about it and they were kind of ticked off about it, I think at first, but I'm hoping that maybe it's at least more true to what she wrote and what we know and understand for the most part about her because it's supposed to be coming from that biography that she wrote about her own mom so fingers crossed I'm gonna give that one a go I bet it's I bet it's better I mean we'll see I you know at some point maybe I'll maybe I'll have an addendum at the beginning of uh season three if I watch it and can recommend it as a if you want to watch a film about this person but gosh no please please guys just watch radioactive if you're interested just be ready for wildly inaccurate everything everything consider it like pretend that it's got a character in it named marie curie who has very little to do with the actual madame curie pretend you had a lobotomy and remove (laughs) the part of your brain where you listen to our two episodes and then maybe you can watch it and enjoy it i don't know i really i like that you went with lobotomy we need to we need to put that on for a BS episode. Who's the guy that invented lobotomies? We'll do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark that oh. down for a BS episode. 
<laughs> but it's not yeah it's, it's, it's not a it's not a good thing to do either but yeah I did them all the time I, I know I I don't rec- I don't think we recommend I think the official position <laughs> of BA in science on lobotomies is thumbs that down. there are no go okay thumbs down on those immediately thumbs, no thumbs on lobotomies down. thumbs down okay um so yeah so I'm sorry we really wildly de- you know it's the season finale we can detour as much as we want that's right um yeah just yeah that's yeah that's what I've got to say about Marie she was a great lady. She's got her own Google Doodle. So, I mean, you know, you've made it big if you get your own Google Doodle. Oh, so. for sure. For sure. Yeah. And like, and I don't have yeah. much to add except the, the point that you made about being a mom at a scientist yeah. ever yeah. is not easy. It especially was not easy when Marie was doing it. And so I, I consider her to be like our spirit animal a little bit and kind of like our podcast's mascot because like mom doing science, she, she, and it didn't like having, it didn't stop her and from having a good relationship with her girls either. I was going to say, you can still be a good mom because her daughters loved her. Her daughters loved her and they had a great relationship. Tell by the way, the biography is written. I mean. Mm -hmm. And yes, her, her mom had her issues, obviously, and there were problems and there were times when she wasn't emotionally available the way that maybe she would have liked, but she loved her girls. We read some of those letters to her kids, um, at the start of the world, uh, second world, no, yeah. first world war, sorry. First world war, yeah. But, um, you know, she cared for them so deeply. They meant so much to her. She mm-hmm. wanted them to have good life, you know, so she totally rocked it as a scientist and a mom. And did her best. And did her best. And 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 taught taught the girls that that was an okay thing to be. And one of her daughters didn't, one of her daughters didn't. So she and she was supportive of that. So what she didn't expect them to do to be like her, but she was pleased that one didn't, pleased that one didn't. She it seems that she was very happy with who her girls turned out to be. And yeah. yeah, and of course, like she had a really good community around her, you know, her um the family members that helped in terms of, you know, helping raise the girls, especially right. after Pierre died, that obviously right. made a huge difference. So yeah, your community is important and people in the science world and in the mom world know all of mm-hmm. those things. So, but the yeah. fact that she, she, and she was not a conventional mom because she got a lot of shade, but she was still right. a good mom. And so like that, that is for me, that is what's BA. Yeah. You discovered an element. Cool. 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 But mm-hmm. also you were an unconventional mom and a good mom and yeah. a great scientist. And I feel like she would put scientist and mom as two of the most important things she did. I don't know yeah. that she would say that scientist was more important than mom. And I don't think yeah, that don't she know. would put mom above scientist. I really feel like she embraced that duo as her yeah. identity. That seems like, you know, cause she didn't care about people. She cared about science but she cared yeah. about her daughters. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, she, yeah, she cared about her husband too. So yeah. I mean, I until think... he died like an idiot. I bet she was mostly mad at him. I'm, I mean, yeah, she, she grieved, but, and maybe that's just because that's my personality. I would have been so angry. I would have got stuck in the angry cycle of grief for a very yeah. long time. I would probably still be mad at him. I mean, it, it uh, yeah. I mean, it's annoying. Ignominious like, dude. and just, uh, anyway. It's just the, it's, I don't know. Senseless, senseless deaths are annoying. Senseless tragic deaths are very annoying. From our perspective, you know, obviously they're awful for her, but yeah, it's just, yeah. 
I don't know. Like, yes, she died at 66 and she had this radium point, but like, I don't know. She kind of knew it at a certain point, probably like, okay, I'm not well. She she was like the, it was like the radium girl. She knew she'd go in the dark. She knew, you know, but I mean, she was like, okay, science, I'm going to do science, but yeah, to just, you know, get run over. I don't know. It's awful. Anyway. Yeah. A BA lady. Total BA in every way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we do sources? Oh yeah. We have to. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like, we just should whip through them because we've, we've talked about him so much anyway, but we should list out, you know, in a more. Um, I had a couple articles they'll all be in. There's, there are a lot, so I'm not going to list every last one, but I did read a couple different articles from some Smithsonian magazine. I read something called what is pitch blend? What is pitch blend? So that I could understand that. That RSC um, periodic table, interactive periodic table, mm-hmm. I'll link that. It's so fun, you guys. Please check it out. It's so fun. My other two main sources were Madame Curie, a biography by uh, Eve Curie, and then Marie Curie and her daughters by Shelley Emling. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have a million. Websites. I know you have a lot because you had to go hunting for a lot of different I had things. To hunt for, so, yeah, I have a million websites. Um, I do want to highlight a couple of the books that I, so the books that I used were really good. Um, there's Marie Curie, Mother of Modern Physics by Janice Morzendowski. That's how it's pronounced if I'm reading it like phonetically in English. It's probably Polish and therefore pronounced completely different, but that's, okay. that's the, yeah. And then The Curies, sure. a biography of the most controversial family in science by Denise Bryan or Dennis Bryan. Dennis Bryan, yeah. Was like it was that one got referenced a lot in the Marie Curie and her daughter's book that I read really good and and Mm -hmm. only like the first third is about her and Pierre the rest of it is about Irene and the rest of the family the rest of the legacy basically it's Mm -hmm. fascinating it was a really good book oh and then I read there were a couple other books but the the last one that I want to highlight it's a graphic novel it's Marie Curie a quest for light by Francis Andreasen Osterfeldt Anya C. Anderson and Anna Blazchik. Blazchik. Okay. Again, there's mostly consonants in her name because, yeah. Okay. But it yeah. is the most gorgeous graphic novel I have hmm. ever. It it was it was it was beautiful. I'm buying it. I put it on my Amazon list to buy. I'm going to get this book. Oh. It's gorgeous. It's easy to read. It's accurate. Uh-huh everything in there was something I expected. I learned a couple of new things that was useful as a source. Like I cannot recommend highly enough this book. Go, go look at it. Just even okay. looking at the pictures, because obviously graphic novel is all about illustrations, right? Illustrations are breathtakingly mm. like, like if you had no words, you would know the story of Marie Curie's life. That's how good the pictures are. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So and like in pictures doesn't even it's it's more than illustrations it's art it was wow so anyway definitely have to check that out definitely check it out that's but again they're all on there um i also am going to post a link to something from xkcd which is an online comic which i love mm-hmm. it is not safe for children but it is no. hilarious most of the time yep. they have this thing about radiation and like mm-hmm. where it is and how you're exposed to it which is fascinating hmm. it's this really cool graphic representation of it 
Again, if mm -hmm. you're a pictures person, this will help you understand radio mm -hmm. radiation and radioactivity and all that kind of thing. So um, my husband's gotten to wear those little Geiger counter, personal Geiger counter things that you have to wear when you go in places where you have to worry about that. My husband's yeah. had to go into labs before and like wear those while he's been working there. And they'd like check them every so many I don't remember what it is, but yeah, you have to like check and make sure that your radiation level exposures are like safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can thank the health physics people for that because yeah. they're making sure that no one's going to end up, you know, radioactive. So yeah. So those are my sources. All right. So we don't really have anything to tease except season three. So I mean, just come back for it. Come, basically yeah, come back for it. It's going to be so Good. There is some, especially the first episode. I'm very excited. We're going to kick it off with a bang. It's going to be fun. It might be, be, he might be the, the baddest BA in terms of like. I'm so jealous. He's a chemist because so I guess spoiler, he's a chemist. I'm so jealous. He's a chemist because you're going to get to read all of his best quotes. I'm so thrilled. I cannot even tell you. It's going to be so good. So maybe, maybe when we do our trailer, our teaser trailer for season three, we'll drop a hint and you can guess from that. We'll, we'll remember. Or maybe just that. read one of his quotes. You'll know, it's not like we'll guess it from his quote, but just give you a taste, a flavor of what's to come with him. Cause it's going to be amazing. We have a great, oh, obviously a great season and, and, and a long break. Yes. But it'll give you time to get caught up if you're behind oh, yeah. and then uh, join us again, right when right when spring is happening and we have another 12 episode season ready yeah. for you yeah more bas bs brawls BS, brawls heavy hitters awesome. all right well then until next season live dangerously do science